sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. holy. I want to sing you. I want to see you, I lift it up, shining in the light of the glory, pour out your power and love as we sing, holy, 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 to see you, I lift it up, shining in the light of the glory, pour out your power and love as we sing, Holy, 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 open the eyes, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you. God, we want to see you tonight. God, we want to see your presence, because God really coming to church and you not showing up, God, there is, there's no even reason to be here. It's just another gathering. But Lord, you said you inhabit the praises. You said wherever two or more are gathered, there you are. God, today, be gathered in this place. We want to see you, Lord. We want to see you, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. Everyone needs compassion, a life that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nature. Savior, He can move a mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Offer us salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Take me as you find me. All my fears are buried. And fill my heart again. Live my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Come on, everybody. He is my Savior. He can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Offer of salvation.
ask God for mercy I know a lot of times when you want to get upset at somebody immediately my mind is taken to the cross thank God he didn't give me what I deserved so don't ever pray God get him but just turn back around to us when I am praying at times I I'll get out and I'll watch the sunrise. Or I'll, at our house, we have, I don't know, what, a couple hundred geese fly over every morning, Bob. And the deer are starting to come in the backyard again. The elk are starting to show up again. Well, I haven't seen the elk yet, but I've seen lots of deer. Have you seen elk yet? Bob and I, we live next door to each other, so that's why I'm throwing this out. How would Bob know it's your house? Because we live next door to each other. And I'm just sometimes out there and I'm just lost in the splendor of it all, the glory of it all. God created all of this for his pleasure, for his glory, but then he gave it to us. And what a mess we made of it. But one day it's going to all be the way God intended. How am I looking forward to that day? I think Chris Tomlin captured it with this song. The splendor of the King Bold in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He
How great you are, God. Thank you. God, every time we see a sunrise, I think of your greatness. Every time we see a sunset, I think of your greatness. God, I see the birds flying in the sky. God, I see the the different animals on the streets, God, and in the fields. God, I see each of us. God, I think of how great you are, God, that you loved us so much. That in your greatness, God, you made a way where there was no way. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. Jesus' name, and everybody said, praise the Lamb of God. How many are ready to get into God's Word tonight? Okay. I want you to get your Bibles, open them up, the book of Matthew. That's where we're going to start. But I'm going to start by by making a statement that I made last week. And that statement is very simple. If the devil can get a toehold... Very shortly, he'll get a foothold. And if you don't grab a hold of it, very shortly after that, he'll have a stronghold. And I tried to define what I think breaks that down and gives it to the understanding that we have uh, in how the enemy works. Because the enemy cannot do anything we do not allow. If you're a child of God and you're, you're bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus and you're living a godly life, the devil has to get permission from God. And so if you're going through something, you guys are supposed to be in membership, aren't you? Yep, back there. Back that way. I had a list of people and I thought you guys were signed up for that. Uh <clears throat> And uh, the enemy will do everything he can do to distract us, detour us. And it all starts from discouraging us. Now look at the word discourage. And let's just break it down for a month, for a moment. It means the removal, dis, the removal of what? Courage. And where does our courage come from? It comes from God. Okay? It doesn't come in and of ourselves. Folks, there's enough stuff happening in this world to scare the daylights out of you. But in Christ, we have courage. In Christ, we have hope. In Christ, we have victory. So, if he can get a toehold, shortly later, he'll work to get a foothold, eventually for the purpose of getting a stronghold. And this is how I believe it breaks down. And I wrote this down and I, I shared it with you last week. And it's, it's, it's not 
in your notes, but I, I, I really, uh, I'll try to do it as slow as I can so you can write it. If Satan can get us to doubt the truth, think about that just for a second. His word is truth. Another word for doubt is to question the truth. Okay? If he can get us to doubt the truth, well, how do you know that really is what it is? Remember in the garden? Has God really said? The first thing Satan did to get into Adam and Eve, oh, he didn't just show up one day and all of a sudden, you know, like, how many of you ever see the old Disney cartoon Jungle Book? Remember, what was it, Shere Khan? It wasn't Shere Khan. What was the snake's, no, the snake's name? The snake's name. Yeah, whatever. Shere Khan was the, was the tiger. The panther was, Baloo was the bear. The panther was, Louie was the, the dancing ape. What was the snake's name? Oh, come on. You, everybody remembers Jungle Book from yeah. Disneyland. Okay. Anyway, Ka. No, his name was Ka. I think. Go look that up for me, would you, Tina? Or one of you? Ka. Whew. Ding, 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 ding. I win. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Anyway, Ka in that movie, I don't know why I'm, you know, here, here's the picture. The serpent shows up in the garden, and all of a sudden, like Ka's eyes, he has those big circles, and he mesmerizes, and he mesmerizes Mowgli, the, the little boy. Now, everybody has to go out and watch the Disney version of Jungle Book. It's really cute. Anyway, so the serpent didn't just show up. I, I believe the serpent was probably in there for a while, and he was, he was making up his, his maneuvers. He was slithering around, trying to find how to get a toehold. Because ultimately, what did he want? A stronghold, which is what he got, Okay. But the toehold was very simple. He got them to doubt what God said. You know, in the church world, let me, let me share something that may, you know, it would, it's not going to surprise anybody in this church, but in some churches, there's a lot of churches that do not believe in literal hell anymore. They don't teach it. They, they teach a persona, a persona of, of evil. They don't teach a literal embodiment of evil, which Satan is. So a lot of people doubt. Well, would God really send somebody to an eternal hell? Well, God doesn't send anybody. We make the choice to go. You say, well, who in their right mind would make that choice? There's the key word, right mind. Okay? So Satan came in there, and what did he do? He caused her to doubt what God's word said. I love what Russ Miller says. Word for word, cover to cover. It's all God's word. Everybody has phones. Cover your Bible, Elsie. Everybody has phones. Everybody has computers. I hold my computer up. This Bible said, well, (laughs) folks, in this book, there's, there's two things. There's lots of things that grab me, but there's two things that grab me immensely. Okay, it's 1 Peter 3, 16. I think it's an interesting 
idea that it's just like John 3.16. But it says that all the words of this Bible were given to holy men of God as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. Man didn't write this book. All man was was the pen and paper. I believe somebody quote, uh, check that quote for me and make sure it's 1 Timothy 3.16 or if I say it's 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 3, 15 and 16. Okay, just, you know, I want you all to make sure that you follow these words, okay? That, that the fact that every word, and then it goes on to say, and it's of no private interpretation. It's not for you to try to figure out what it says. It's for the Bible to tell you. And what it literally means, a private interpretation. Well, I take it out of the Bible, and I get all of these other people's ideas of what it's saying. The Bible always interprets the Bible. Are you with me? I can take some really well-meaning Christian people that wrote really great books and look at their writing and look at God's Word and think, I'm not quite sure. Okay? And so the reality is if the devil can get you to doubt one part, that's all it takes. That's called a toehold. Am I making sense? Okay? Now, understand, folks, when I, when I quote a scripture and I tell you a chapter and verse, I'm right a lot of times, but I'm a pastor, not a concordance, so I'm not right every time. Okay. So, uh, Go look it up, and you can do it on your, your smartphones and stuff. 2 Timothy 3.16. Thank you. And then the second part, first, it wasn't man that wrote it. The second, it's of no private interpretation, which I think is verse uh, uh, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy. I'll tell you here. Just about 30 seconds. Huh? Counting. No, 2 Timothy uh, 3.16. And the second one is 2 Peter 1.20. That no prophecy of this book is of any private interpretation. That means when Steve reads it, he'll get the same thing out of it that Dale gets out of it, that Ken gets out of it, that uh, Hensley gets out of it, that David gets out of it. Now, it'll be applicable to your current situation. But it's not going to say one thing today and say something else tomorrow. It's always going to say the same. And God's Word is not antiquated. It is not out of season. It is always same yesterday, today, forever. Hebrews 13, 6. Ken. That's what the Bible does. So, Steve, are you going to be our mic runner today? I, I sure will. Okay, thank you. This is Steve. If he gets slow, you guys yell, Steve! Is that, that thing scratching? Where's the, uh, the other ones up there? 
That's the one we use, isn't it? Okay, thank you. Yes, David. Please, microphone. Okay. Just speak loudly until they get the mic taken care of. Sorry. Greater than John. has done this on purpose to, to he, he's he's going to take the people who are most likely to be strong and mighty to to embarrass the principalities and powers so in this bible marathon we want the weakest i mean god wants the weakest most unassuming people and he uses them to such great and, and not just the bible marathon to, you know to be able to speak when we read the words of god aloud we are we are seriously an oracle of God. It's the Holy Spirit in us coming out, Amen. folks. It's not us. But Amen. all we've got to do is do it. And when we do it, darkness has to run. The devil cannot stand in light. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak things of the world to shame those things that are strong. 28. The lowly things of the world and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, that no one can boast before him. Okay? So in, in the big picture, I talked about toehold. Okay? What happens after you doubt the truth? If you, or if the enemy, can get you to believe a lie, first thing is to doubt the word. And then all of a sudden, because you doubted it, somebody got you to believe something else. Now you're believing a lie. That's a foothold. That's what the enemy grabs a hold, and he gets a place in your life. Because now, not only are you doubting it, you now believe it says something else. Am I making sense? Amen. Okay? What I'm trying to do is I'm dealing with the mind. Because this is where, this is the battle, folks. You know, the, you know we, we, get, we, we joke about, you know, the devil with the red dress on or, or the devil in, you know, in these, in this, this, this Armani suit, you know, this guy or this girl. Folks, the devil's not that dumb. He comes in subtle ways. Oh, yeah, if he can use something so blatantly to undermine it, he'll do that. Okay, but his objective is to get a toehold. And how does he get a toehold? Simply making you doubt, okay? Then the, I'll get you, Tandy, the microphone over to Tandy, Steve, wherever you're at, okay? Up here in front, okay? So a toehold, you got that? Just simply doubting God's Well, is that really what, bless you, is that really what it says? Is that really what it says? You say, well, Pastor, how do I know what it really says? You go back and take it in context. Take it in context. Most of the Bibles today, from Elsie's Bible to other people's Bibles, most of them have done a fairly decent job of contextualizing Scripture. What you'll have is you'll have a, you know, like her Bible right here. Here you have uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and it's broke down into contextual chapters, okay? What that literally means is if you look at the top, if you have, your, if you have a Bible, 
uh, this particular Bible, uh, says the very beginning, this portion is talking about the concern for their faithfulness. So it's a passage talking about faithfulness. And then as they read through, they say, okay, this looks like it's changing. So now they got another topic heading, Paul and the false apostles. Okay, this is all Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. Then the third thing, reluctant boasting. Okay, and different Bibles will have different titles. And the last one is the suffering for Christ. But what that is, is that's kind of giving you a, t- a contextualization of your Bible. Say, Pastor, why do, you, why do you go out so extreme to help us understand how to do this? It's the only hope you have. Folks, I love you. I will let you down. It's not a promise to make you. It's just a fact. I'm flesh. I'm human. I don't set out to do it. But I'm going to mess up sooner or later. Okay? Is that, are you guys okay? Is it okay having a pastor that just be kind of honest with you and say, Okay, I'm, I was going to ask you, David, if you're going to come in, you've got to come to the center section. That way I don't have to turn my neck so badly. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I, want, I want everybody to grow. And the only way you grow is you've got to learn how to get into this book. You've got to learn how to get in this book. Okay. Uh, Ms. Tandy. So um, I just got a, a new job. Yep. And I don't know why I'm crying about it, but I feel like crying about it. I'm working in a very liberal environment. If it feels good, do it. And I'm struggling with the toehold. Today I was in um, like a relaxation session, and they're talking about the wind god and the sun god and the god of the earth. And, you know, I, I don't know how to advocate and be an example for my god and for the god in a room full of people, you know, it's not it's not politically correct to be a Christian, you know, especially in this environment. You know, it's it really is. If it feels good, then it's okay. And and I want to. These are people who truly need God, and they need me. You know, I pray every day. God, let me speak your words and let me be you through me. I struggle every day because I want. I want them to see God when they when they see me. But I don't know how. You actually do know how more than you think. Okay? Folks, you hear me say these things. And, and it, it, there's living for God. I always want to say it this way. It's not easy. It's impossible. That's why you got to let God live through you. That's why what I'm going to talk about tonight, as long as we get into this far enough, is you're going to have a battle of thoughts come into your mind about how to react or to respond. When you react, that's not God. When you respond, it is. Okay? The difference between reaction and and response is basically one's off the cuff and the other one's off the heart because you've thought through. Paul, I'm going to give you a a picture of your scenario. He is in Athens, and he is walking amongst all of the idols. Uh, Athens was a very, a very, uh, a very uh, hedonistic 
society. Uh, they were very, uh, everything was sexual. Matter of fact, the goddess of Athens, Athena, was a multi-breasted figure because fertility was the whole, and it was all about sexuality, and, and some of the most perverse stuff that you can read happened in Athens, okay, in that area of Greece, of, of the Greek area, okay? Paul's there, and he says, uh, you are bringing in 1720 of Acts, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Okay, Paul comes into town. And the first thing he's doing is saying nothing. He's just being an example. When you go to work, I, I, the very, before I started pastoring, the very first church I ever pastored in Tyler, I was working at a secular job before I left. And I knew God had called me to pastor. And so for the last year and a half, I was preparing and I was praying and I was reading God's word and I was doing different things. And I transferred jobs before I left, and I was there at this job for about a year. But I told God these words. I said, God, I'm not going to tell anybody about you. I want them to see you and me. So I went to that job, and I said, I'm not saying anything. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to do anything. And it wasn't days. I, I don't think it was very long maybe a couple weeks, people started asking me, what's different about you? Why? I didn't hang around the water fountain. Listen to me. I didn't hang around with the in crowd. I didn't go have to be privy to all the scoop. And when they come scooping for me, I didn't have any scoop. Paul was walking around Athens and a Christian. And then they, now they're saying, you're saying some pretty strange stuff to our ears now. He's starting to speak. Why? Because our the Bible says that our, our gifts make room for us in front of kings. Those gifts that God has placed in our lives. So when we go into an environment like you're going into, go in there first and foremost. Shut up. Don't don't have to stand. Oh, I'm gonna go. I gotta stand up and defend my God. You're defending Him more by saying nothing than you would be by saying everything. Okay, but that's what you're doing. Is you're you're keeping your lips. You're gonna get bothered. You're gonna get. You just ignore. You go to another place, and then pretty soon God will start bringing them to you. Okay. Now. I got to be I got to be careful to qualify this because some of us will ignore it and go to another place because we don't want to stand up. Okay? We want to do right before God, but we don't want to necessarily get out on the limb. Does that make sense? Okay? I'll get to you in just a second, Carlos. Let me finish this thought. Okay? So Paul is going through this and verse 21 says, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing. Listen to this. But talking about and listening to the latest ideas. What do you see happening today? Oh, let's go talk about Trump. Oh, let's go talk about Obama. Oh, let's go talk about Las Vegas. Let's go talk about what? Dian who? Oh, Dianetics. Let's go talk about the latest greatest. We already know the latest greatest. His name is Jesus. 
but it's not time to talk about it. See, there's an old saying that said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Okay? And this is why you guys hear me make this statement. If they don't see Jesus in you, possibly he's not there. Now, that's not a condemning statement, but that's why the Word of God says, examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith. That's why it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So let's go back to Paul. We're, he's there, and you can, you can find this in Acts 17. Okay, I just picked it up at verse 20, but you can read the whole thing. He said they're talking about the latest, greatest ideas. And then Paul stood up. This is all after a period of time. Then Paul stands up. They say, you're saying different things. You're acting. What's the difference? Uh, he stands up at the meeting of the uh, Arapagus and said, people of Athens, I see that you are incurably religious. What does that mean? Incurably you know, the reality is everyone in this room is incurably religious. God put his heart in us, okay? And so we're going to worship something. But that's what they're doing. They might call it this. They might call it that. They might go, well, I'm an, I'm an atheist. Well, atheists, they worship just like everybody else, okay? So listen, people of, Ath of Athens, I see that you are incurably religious. For I walked around and I looked carefully at your object's of worship. You're on your new job. Just learn the ground. Walk around. See what's happening. See what's going on. You know that last job I told you about? I never said a word. People started coming to me. All of a sudden, the owner's wife comes into my office one day. What's different about you? I was able to share everything. She said, I knew it! Because she was a backslidden Christian. She was a Pentecostal pastor's daughter. She comes into my office, and I get to share the gospel. Pretty soon, her sister comes in. The other employees come in, and they just start. What did I say? I'm not going to say a word. I'm going to let God speak through me, through my life. Shortly before I left, I'm in the owner's office leading Paul here, he said, you guys worship everything. He said, I even found an altar with an inscription to the unknown God. To the unknown God. And he said, so you are ignorant. <laughs> you know, Paul just kind of puts it right down there. He has permission to speak. Why? Because they see his stability and their instability. And that's what the world is looking for. That's what your people are looking for, and that's what God probably took you there. That's what all of us on our job is. He wants them to see Him. They're not going to see Him by what we say. Okay, Carlos? Microphone, Steve? <clears throat> You're going to have to stand up and walk around, Steve. You're going to get behind. It's on there somewhere. Does everybody understand what I just read out of Acts? 
You see the picture of what I'm just sharing with Tandy? Okay. Yeah, I was going to uh, share the same thing. I, I have uh, a very liberal crowd at my work as well. But when I, when I started going and people asked what I do, you know, I'm all, you know, I go to Bible study on Wednesdays. I go to church on Mondays occasionally. And I go to church every Sunday. And, and then, uh, you know, people just recognize that work, you know, that I, I was a, I'm a Christian. And uh, then I, I talked to this lady, and, and uh, she, she asks me how I get along with these ladies that nobody gets along with. And then I, I, I told her, you, these are, if these are your enemies, you have to pray for them, right? And then uh, the other thing that, that I told her is that if you have peace, I think it's Proverbs 17, 9. Um, let me get it real quick. Uh, when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. And I told her that, and I think she's starting to turn the corner with these ladies at work. So. You know what, folks? Oh, and I just want to say I'm not boasting in what I did. I'm boasting in what the Lord allowed me to do. That, that, that goes without. You see, folks, you know what the people of your job, they're hoping what you really have is really real. They're really hoping what you have. And you know what? Mistakes, they don't make a big issue out of it because they know people make mistakes. But they're hoping that you do right with the mistake you make. Does that make sense? Okay? And, and that, that's just what they're looking for. They're looking. They, can I tell you, there's not a single person on your job, heathen, derelict, atheist, fill in the blank, that doesn't know there's a God. They might try to excuse him, abuse him, misuse him. They know he's there. They know he's there. Other other statements, because I wanna I wanna get into this. And I really wanna go. So we're going from toehold. You have an understanding how the toehold. Okay? What happens? Okay, Pastor, what do I do if I if doubt starts coming in? I believe doubt is a product of faith. Okay? I believe that there is good doubt. But the doubt that I'm talking about takes you back to look further into God's word, to grow you, to develop you. The doubt the enemy tries to bring in that toll hold is to take you away from God's word. Does that make sense? Okay, so if he can get you to doubt, he can get a toll hold. If he can get you to believe a lie because you started doubting, now he has a foothold. Say, Pastor, what do, I, what do you mean believe a lie? When I, before I got saved, as you all, you all know, I was raised in, in uh, I was raised in Catholicism. And I used to tell people, you know, why, you know, why don't you, why don't you really live for God? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I said, you know, you know, the Bible says this. I said, you can't believe the Bible. It's full of contradictions. I had never touched the Bible. How did I know there was a, you know, the, the Roman church, you know, the Roman Catholic church, you, you read missiles. You read these little books they put together. You don't read the Bible. The only read the person who read the Bible was the guy up there that did it in Latin when I was in. He was, they didn't change from Latin till when? Do you remember? Yeah, it was a, not very long ago, you know, probably 20 years ago. You go to, you go to Mass, and all the, everything's in Latin until just, I don't know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was. And uh, he was the only guy who had a Bible. We had all these little books they put together. They called them, what, missiles? 
that what they call them? I'm sorry? Canon. Well, canons are part of the Bible, but missiles, you know, they, they, you could read them. They, just, they didn't get you anyplace. A missile would take you someplace, but this one didn't take you anyplace. But anyway, uh, so we would do those things, and, and I would tell people, we, the Bible's full of contradiction. What was I doing? The devil was getting me to believe a lie. I already doubted the religion, but he was trying to get me to buy into the lie. You can't believe the Bible. So he was trying to get a foothold. Let me go on to the stronghold. You see, if he can get you to doubt so much and believe so little, that is when he gets a stronghold. If he can get you doubt to the point that no matter what somebody says, you can go to church your whole life. I'll make a difference. Oh, that's just what the guy does. You know, you put your token offering in. That's just what he does. He's supposed to say those things. I don't believe it, but he's supposed to. Am I making sense at all? This is what the doubt does, okay? And then to believe a lie, somebody else is whispering in your ear. Yeah, let's go have a beer and talk about it. Let's go smoke a joint and talk about it. If he can get you to doubt so much and believe so little, then he can get a stronghold that will cause you to live a life of delusion and confusion. And that's where the religiosity of the world is today. Making sense? Okay. Joanne, you had your hand up. Microphone. Run, 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 run. I appreciate you doing this, Steve. Okay, why does he keep dying, Bill? Or where did our sound guy go? Who was running the sound guy? Herman? Just talk really loud. As he talks about strongholds, um, oftentimes our own confessions can create even greater strongholds. One of my pet sayings is if somebody asks me how I'm doing I tell them I can't complain it just tells the devil what buttons to push tomorrow a person responds to their own voice if you are saying things that are against God's word if you have started to make those confessions you are at the point of a foothold and a stronghold. You, you can be, yes. Okay? But here's the thing. Here's the thing you got to do. And I agree with, with uh, what Joanne is saying. Okay? If you live in your defeat, you'll never have victory. I tell people all the time, yet the greatest victory will be tomorrow's greatest defeat if you choose to live in it. I, I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't care what happened today. Tomorrow's a new day. The sun closes, goes down tonight, the chapter of today closes, okay? And you can tell everybody how great you are, and that's why Christians, when they get saved, I, I try to help them to learn the difference between a testimony and a braggamony. Okay, a braggamony is about how great I was. A testimony is how awesome I am because of him, just like Carlos said, because of what Christ done, has done in my life, okay? Paul said, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in God. So you got to be careful. Why? Because... What is sweeping the country is two things, entitlement and victimization. Okay? The reality, if you are a victim of something, you still don't have the right to be a victimizer, to bring everybody else into your victimhood. Okay? 
If you're a victim of something, you have to deal with it. If you don't, it destroys you. I went to one of my daughter. All you all know that my daughter's been going through counseling and stuff, and, and uh, she got hooked on prescription medications. And I went into this counseling room with her a few years ago, and they were in this counseling room, and they were going around the room, and everybody was, was skirting responsibility for their, their addictions. Blaming mom, blaming dad, blaming brother, blaming sister, blaming society, blame, blaming, blaming, you know, fill in the blank. And I'm going through the whole thing, and I'm watching this. And, and the counselor, because I'm sitting there with her, with her, with my daughter. And folks, when I'm in certain scenarios with people, I can be a little bit of an intimidating presence. And not because I'm trying to be, it's just, folks, when you know the truth, it kind of starts exuding from you. And so I'm sitting there, and, and I'm trying my best to I'm bite. I'm, I think blood is probably biting my lips so badly. It's just squirting out. I'm sorry, bad picture. So I'm sitting there, and pretty soon the counselor says, well, Mr. Masters, do you not agree with all this happening here? Now, folks, don't get me wrong. Yes, counseling is awesome. Yes, going to uh, psychiatrists and all these different, well, psychiatrists. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not interested in the people that try to, try to affect the mind away from God, changing the mind. Is that, is that okay? Okay. So we're there, and she said, well, Mr. Masters, don't you, uh, don't you uh, agree with this? And I said, uh, actually, no. I don't agree with anything you've done. Well, are you a doctor? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. I didn't tell her I was a doctor of ministry, not a doctor of medication. Okay? But, you know. Uh, and so I started to talk to the whole class about responsibility. You see, you can never fix what you won't face. And the enemy comes in to lie, which is the second part. The first is the doubt. Okay? Sooner or later, i got to make a decision about my life. Almost 40 years ago, I had to make a decision about Christ. Who is this guy? Is he God? I'm very grateful I made the right decision. Okay? So I sat there and I went through the whole crowd. You know when I was done? I, probably without exception, they all came up and thanked me and my daughter. My daughter heard about it for weeks afterwards. Your dad made a difference when he said this, when he said this, when he said this, when he... Why? Because all the counselors want to do is they want to say, oh, it's not your fault. I, don't, I want to take this off. I want to take this off. Folks, when I read my Bible, he put a lot of it right back on us. But guys, we've got to deal with it. In this world, we've got problems. Okay? So... Questions? I know. Getting in this. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Lucinda, 22 through 25. Uh, Tina, 26 through 29. Elsie, 30 through 33. Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. 22 through 25. Lucinda, 26 through 29. Uh, Tina, 30 through 33. Microphone, Stephen. This is Lucinda. This is Tina. This is Elsie. Okay? Okay, Matthew chapter 6, uh, 22 through 25, 26 through 29. You can read the whole chapter, but for sake of time, I, I pulled these, these three chunks out. 
to, to make the point that we're talking about. The enemy, the enemy will always do something. Have you, ever been, have you ever been somewhere and all of a sudden out of the clear blue something happened and totally took your mind off of what you're doing? Have you ever had that happen? Folks, I can't tell you how many times in church I've had that happen. I'm focusing on the things of God and all of a sudden my mind goes, Wee! and it wasn't a yellow bird flying by either. Okay, some of you HDAD folks will realize what I'm talking about. Okay? Listen. Matthew 6. Look what the Bible says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Okay, stop there. Nobody's talking about toehold, foothold, stronghold. A thought is not sin. A glance is not sin. A whatever. The, we, we, we live in this world. We can't filter everything. But God said we can't take authority over everything. Are you with me? Okay. The eye, the very first thing that we're talking about in this passage is the eye gate. What is behind your eye? Your mind. It immediately. Do you know you can remember images from when you were a child? It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. And some of them will be so vivid. Go back to counselors and stuff like that. They try to go dig into that stuff, pull it up. Well, you're, because of that is this. Once again, don't get me started on psychology 101. I went through the class. I passed the class. I disagree with 99% of the class, but I got through it. Not that I'm against it, but they try to get the psycho over the spiritual. Greater is he that's in me. There's real validity in this stuff, folks. But it's because there's a real enemy in the world that has deceived. And much of it starts out with the eye. But look what he says here. If the eye is the lamp of the body and it's healthy, your whole body is full of light. What is it saying? Let's talk about that just for a second. What is that saying? Your eye is healthy. Your whole body is full of light. What is it saying? It's talking about Philippians chapter 4. Whatever things are pure and lovely, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, put your eyes, put your thoughts, put your mind on these things. Okay? Then it goes on to say, but if your eye is unhealthy, and I put that in your, in your notes, Philippians 4, 8, uh, down there. Okay, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about the, get your focus on these things, the scripture is saying. And what happens? It gets your whole body full of light. It gets your whole mind full of light. Your eyes are healthy. But if your eyes are unhealthy, what does that mean? Let's talk about it for a second. David, you got to run with the microphone. Not you, Lucinda. Okay. Well, some people just like to look at the wrong thing. 
and they're like the gossip. You know, you're uh, you're attracted to it. Um, I like the scripture where Job made a covenant with his eyes, yeah. not to look at the young ladies. Yeah. And uh, you know, as a man in this society, I got to there's a you know I'll drive by a billboard and my, I'm like I'm oh, in, in a tailspin, and it's 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 very challenging. I Very watch, you know, I, I don't watch virtually any TV, but man, I got to change channels sometimes when I'm watching the news. Yep. <laughs> Thinking, my goodness, come on, guys. You know, you, you, there's a decent movie out, and they still have something stupid in it. Okay, so, but what it says here, when your eyes are unhealthy, what happens to the whole body? Everything about you becomes corrupt. Okay? Then, once again, Here's the toehold, stronghold, foot or foothold, stronghold. He says, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let's talk about that. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's not a trick question. It, you, you'll, I'll say it here in just a minute, and you'll see. If the light within you is darkness, uh, Josh? Of the world, okay. I'm sorry? Darkness is great, yeah. David? When you've got to be right all the time. Can I tell you something? I learned a long time ago, folks. Right is right because it's right. Not because I like it. Not because I think about it. Not because I think I am. But because he is right. And so when I do that. Okay, so look at this. When the darkness, the light that is in you is darkness. When you are filled with doubt, when you are filled with unbelief, when you are filled with lies, that's all the focus. Everything you do is jaded, filtered with that. Everything you see, everything you think, everything you do. You look at a pastor. How many? I guarantee there's people in this church. Oh, you can't believe those preachers. They're all alike. Because you saw one bad pastor. Or you heard one bad thing. Making sense? Now we filter everything that comes across that pulpit with a tainted view. Am I making sense? So what happens? The light that is in us, over in the middle, girls, the light that is in us becomes darkness. And how great is that darkness? Why? Because we can't even see the forest because we're in the midst of the trees. We think it's okay. Well, it's just the way it is. Does that make sense? Is it, am I making sense? Okay, so I want you to continue on. Now we get to the root of the problem. The root of my irritation with psychology. The root of my irritation with people that try to explain things away. You know, like I shared with you last week, the problem with know-it-alls is they never tell you all they know. They just know it all. What is the deal with this? Okay, and they, they get in there and, and uh, you can't talk to them. Oh, I know, Pastor. I know. My 13-year-old daughter on the floor. I know, Dad. I know it. Okay, honey, what do you do with what you know to do? What do you do with what you know to do? You know what you do. Why aren't you doing it? This is that passage. Here's the root of it. Go ahead, Lucinda. Therefore, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Nope, you're, nope you I'm went wrong. down. I'm too far. Sorry. Yeah, you're still. Uh, Sorry. Uh, no one can serve two masters. Either no one what? can serve two masters. You know that same daughter that said, Dad, I, I don't like that question? She said, Dad. She came up to me a few years later. I know my problem. The Bible says I can't serve two masters, and I'm trying to serve you and Mom. 
Masters, Tim, Masters. Ma ma it doesn't. Was, it, was that? Not really. <laughs> you yeah, 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 thank you. You can't serve two masters. Go ahead. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, that word money, okay, a lot of your translations have translated it money. It literally comes from a phrase that means the world system, because as money goes, so goes the world. Okay, used to, the golden rule, you know, is love your neighbor as yourself, but they've turned it to he who has the gold makes the rules. Okay? But that's the key. You can't serve God and the world system. You will love one and hate the other, or you'll cling to one and despise the other. And that's what happens. You've got to choose who is right and what is wrong. On Monday night at our leadership class, you know our leadership class is open to the entire church. Uh, it is it's required for our leadership to come to, but is open to the entire church. And on Monday night, I was talking about credibility. Do you know that before you can ever do right, you got to make a decision to do right. There's going to be things that that Carol here is going to face next week. You know when she has to make a decision about what she's going to face this week. It's called a conviction. You've got to make a decision what you will watch on TV. Because it's not a matter of if it's going to show up. It will show up. Hey, Pastor, I made those decisions. I fell anyway. Welcome to reality. But now you go and sin no more. It doesn't become an excuse. So you've got to make those decisions in credibility. You've got to decide who is right and who is wrong. And let me tell you right now, you're not the right one. He is. Okay? People talk about, what about my rights? You have none. The only right that you and I have is the right not to go to hell because Jesus went for us. That's what we have. Okay? And when we get caught up in all of this garbage, this minutia that we're wading through in the world, all you're doing is giving the devil a toehold a foothold, and ultimately a stronghold. Let's go to Tina here. You can't serve two masters. You've got to decide. Is God God or are you? I'm talking about the mind, folks, because that's where the devil's going to come. He's going to come and say, Tina, does God really say? And Tina's going to have to answer, yes. Well, you give me chapter and verse. I don't know chapter and verse, but I know in my heart of hearts God said it. Folks, you don't have to know chapter and verse. You just have to have a heart that made a decision or developed a conviction based on what you know in God's Word. Does that make sense? Okay, let's continue on here in Matthew. Does Matthew 6, 22 through 25 make sense? Okay, we're talking about a mind battle here. Is it making sense? Any questions before we move on? Tina. Okay. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Okay, stop there. 
Okay, so let's look at this for a second. He is coming out of the picture of what your eyes focus on, what your life is focused on. The eye is your eye gate, okay? And, you know, you, you, you're, you know, I start to say this, you know, the girls have this thing about shoes. I've got almost as many shoes as my wife has, okay? I don't have a thing about shoes. I just like nice shoes, okay? Maybe I do have a thing about shoes. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, you see something. i got to have it. Especially when I'm told I can't have it. That's what James says. You rob, you steal, kill. Why don't you just ask God? You know why we don't ask God? Why do you think we don't ask God sometimes? You might say you don't need that. And when you want it, you got to decide who's going to be on the throne, you or him. Okay? So look what, look what Tina's reading here. Okay? Don't get caught up in the needs or the wants. And you notice I preached on this just a few months ago. Okay? When I was talking about being putting first things first and putting God first. Do you notice there's only two things that God talks about? That are our need. And they're right here in this passage. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothes. You know what he didn't say about the house? How big your house is? How small your house is? The car? How fancy it is? He said, don't worry about clothes. Don't worry about the house. Or don't worry about food. And then look what he gives us the example. I was talking about praying and, and watching All the beauty of God's creation. Look at the example he gives. Go ahead, Tina. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. Isn't that amazing? God just laid it out there. He said, guys, see the birds? I'll take care of them. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, how much more valuable are you than the birds? This Sunday, I'm, I'm starting a new series. Now, the title of the series is All the Losers Win. That's going to that's kind of strange. Now you, you'll hear it, and it'll be it will encourage you. It'll give you a shot in the arm. It'll man, God feels that way about you. Well, what's what's this whole thing about? You got to come Sunday to find out. Okay, but I'm going to be talking about this stuff. God, God says, Solomon. Do you know in today's standards, Bill Gates? Warren Buffett, none of them hold a candle to the wealth of Solomon. If you take what the Bible says about Solomon's wealth and put it in today's standards, all of the richest people in the world combined still couldn't measure up. That's the God that loves you. That's the God said, watch your focus. Don't let doubt and lies and delusion and deception 
This is the battle place. The devil wants to get you focused on this and focused on that. And he wants you to say, well, just a little bit's okay. Just a little bit's okay. And the Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little sin. God doesn't put, God's not categorically dividing murder from adultery. and this. God calls sin, sin. Matter of fact, God says, whatever is not of faith is that the just. But this is all that what the enemy does. So let's jump over here, Elsie, over to the 30th verse. We're going to continue on. All I've done is taken you from, from chapter 6, verse 22, all the way to the end. And I've tried to lay out this place where the devil battles our mind and tells us all of these different things. And then I have another verse here that Elsie's going to talk about. Go ahead. Verse now, 30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is... And tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Will he not? You see how God deals with that whole toehold, that doubt thing? Guys, who loves you? Who's your daddy? He said, I am your father, and I love you. He said, Solomon did, wasn't, wasn't, arrayed like the lilies of the valley? Who do you think dressed them? Yeah, he gets all bothered by it. He said, you know, you, you worry about the, the grass today that, you know, is in the oven and the tomorrow is thrown into the fire? You worry about the clothes? Where's your faith? Well, you, what do you mean, Pastor? Faith doesn't conjure up things. Faith is what God uses to produce things. That's why Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith, now, not yesterday faith, not tomorrow, now faith is the substance of things, hope for evidence of things not seen. What is he saying? He said, if you'll just have faith, you'll see the substance and you'll have the evidence. Okay? But he says in the sixth verse, without faith. You can't please God. You can't do anything. And the two aspects of faith, you first got to believe God is. You got to believe God is. And the second is you got to believe he rewards those who keep their focus on him. Man, this is good preaching. Can somebody say amen? amen. <laughs> yeah, for some of y'all that are, it's actually called treaching. Treaching, preaching. Oh, ye little faith. What else does it say there, Elsie? Therefore, do not worry. Say, What's it say there? Therefore, do not worry. What's it say? Therefore, do not worry. Put, put it up to your mouth there. Oh. What's it say? Therefore, do not worry. Hey, say that with me. Do, do not, not worry. worry. I tell folks, worry is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, just doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> okay? Do not worry. What's he say not worry about? Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What's he say? 
Seek first. First things first. That's why in your notes, the uh, Bible tells us to cast down arguments. 2 Corinthians 10. Cast down. Okay, that word argument is translated in, in a couple different translations. Proud obstacles. Things that separate. Hebrews 6 says it this way. Lay aside the sin that so easily entangles you. Cast down those proud obstacles, those arguments. Every high thing. Now it's interesting. Why does the word of God use the term high thing? I'm sorry? It's in itself? Yep. But there's... That self-exalts itself. But let's look at the term. I'm looking at the term high thing. What does that mean? You've got to look at it from a religious perspective, which is what he's talking about here. Back then, they set up what were called the high places. They set up monuments. They set up thrones. They set up altars. And they put them in what's called the high places. And God said, go down and tear all of those high places down. You know what a high place is? You might not have an altar. You might not have something you walk up to. A high place is anything that exalts itself above what you know God wants. Anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And then he said, bring every thought. You see how it goes full circle right back to the mind? Every thought to the obedience. Of God's word. There's not a single person. The last time we did wrong. Did not know we were doing wrong. Before we did it. Come on somebody. Say amen. Amen. Anybody here the last time you did wrong. Didn't know you were doing wrong. (laughs) Folks we all. We know what we're doing. Okay. So he says cast down. What the scripture is really saying. If it's not. True. All of this, if I can put it in one line, if it's not true, it's not worth focusing on, it's not worth thinking about, it's not worth pursuing. And that's the very simplicity of this, of how to keep your mind under control. God, is it good for me? God, is it beneficial for you? God, does it work for the betterment of your kingdom? If the answer any slice is no, you go. That was worth the price of admission, right? There. So let's, let's just talk about this for a minute. This is the battle. Folks, well, maybe I'm talking to the wrong crowd. I'm talking about the battles I deal with. Maybe it's just in my head is the only person that deals with this stuff. Anybody else relate to what I'm talking about? So these are the things that God says that we need to do. No. When that thing comes in, you start that doubt. Oh, devil, I am messing up really for you. That's what you look like. Oh, it might be the form of a new job. It might be the form of an old job. An employer, an employee. It may be the form of all kinds of different things. The devil just trying to get that toehold. Oh, God, maybe God really does want this for you. When you know in your heart of hearts, can I tell you something? We don't. God says, you can do it. 
does the next thing is he's trying to get that foot in there. If he can get the foot in the door, can I tell you something, just me? If I can get my foot in the door, I might have a tough thing, but if I can get my foot in the door, the entire strength of this body, that door is coming down. That's why I told people for years as a Christian, if you can't find a door, look for a window. If you know God's doing something and you can't find a door, look for a window. If I ain't finding a window, there's a wall coming down someplace. Because I'm going to pursue what God has said. And you say, well, Pastor, how do I know that I know that I know? That's not even a valid question. Because that whole, va- that whole question is laced with doubt. Well, maybe this isn't God. Maybe this. Open that book up. There. What? And you say, well, Pastor, I, I, I don't know where to look. Call somebody. Call somebody. Call, you know, call me. Call Ray. Call Philemon. Call Bob. Call Google. What's the Bible say about this? And just realize everything on the internet is not true. Okay? Even when the Bible stuff comes up, you need to you need to go look at it. Okay? So let's 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 talk about this. Okay, I wanna I wanna continue on here. As I shared earlier, you and I can store in our minds things that they, they'll just lay there dormant. People you knew, places you went before you got saved. Did you ever notice? How can you remember things you should forget and forget things you should remember? And I, I don't I don't care. A lot of times those memories come back all the wrong time. All at the wrong time. Our mind is such a powerful creation of God, it can reach into the past and dig up things, good or bad, that we should lay back there. Our mind is so powerful, it can reach into the future. Pastor, how do we know this? It's called imagination. We can imagine things. We can imagine God right out of things. Proverbs 23, verse 7. It's in your notes. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, we've used that scripture many times out of context in the church. What it literally is saying is talking about having dinner or sitting down at a table with somebody that really is kind of a false friend. And they say, oh, yeah, here, you can have this. You can be a part of this. You can have this. But all this time, in the back of their mind, they're, be, they're, they're, they're begrudging. They're not lacking the factor there. But they say one thing. They're, they're two-faced. They say one thing, and they mean another. Their body language is shouting loud. I don't want you here. But their words are saying this. God says that happens a lot in Christianity. When you start getting caught up in doubts and lies and unbeliefs, and deception. You're sitting there with the pastor, and the pastor's preaching, and you're saying, uh, yes, pastor, yes, pastor, yes, yes, pastor, yes, pastor, yes, yes, I agree, I agree. My body language is saying I'm not agreeing. My actions are saying I'm not agreeing. That's what it says. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In another place in the book of Matthew, once again, it says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth 
speaks. That's why the Bible says over in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. This whole eye gate. He said, watch it. Watch what you watch. Pay attention to what you're focused on. So talk to me. How do we handle these things when they come up? No, there's no wrong answers, folks. Ken? Steve? Come on, Mike. Mike, Mike, run, 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 run. I just want to get it on the tape so that everybody knows Ken's talking. The first thing that I have to do is recognize that what I am thinking or what I am watching or what I am planning is ungodly so that I can meet it. You've got to decide who is God, you or him. You say, Pastor, that seems so, that seems so simple. But it, think about it for just a second. If God was sitting next to you, would you be watching that? If God was sitting next to you, would you be listening to that? Saying that? Doing that? What we fail to realize is he is. Josh, you were going to say something? Go ahead. Every hour, I've got to take every thought captive, good and bad. Because sometimes, you know, I think, oh, it's from God, so I don't take, have to take a thought, uh, that thought captive. Well, nine times out of ten, if I don't, it's my thought. It wasn't God in planning that. And what you say, the gate eyes to the soul, to the mind. Um, a lot of times, I'm like forced. So I, I've got to turn and run. Because if I don't, if I walk, I'll walk right back. It's easy, folks. you got to make a decision. But how are you going to make today's decision? got to make it yesterday. you got to decide today what you're going to do tomorrow. Okay? Uh, uh, Christian. Okay? Let's talk about this. Okay? People say, well, Pastor, I don't want to say that. I'm going to sound foolish. You're going to be just as foolish as half the people here. Because everybody has the same thoughts. No new bag of tricks, just a new bag of fools. Uh, recently I was upset and I said a bad word in front of... You were upset and said a bad word? A bad word in front of another... Oh, God, get her out of here. We can't allow that kind of stuff. Get upset and say a bad word. Now, I know nobody else has ever done that in this place. Oh, okay. No, I was at, I was at work and I, and then I told the girl... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't I'm... tell us the bad word, please. No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. I said, I'm, I texted her. I said, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be representing God. And I said bad words. And she's like, oh, no, I don't care. I'm like, okay, she doesn't care, whatever. So, yeah, that's an example. Okay. <laughs> but let's, let's listen to that. Thank you for bringing that up. Listen to her statement. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. I don't care. What about you? Should you care? You should, you should say, I know everybody does it, but I'm not everybody. I am a Christian, and I'm not supposed to do this. And so, I, you know, I'm human too, and I make mistakes, okay? But my Bible teaches me that if I make a mistake in front of you, I ask you to forgive me, okay? 
And this is a statement I've made for years, folks. If I do it publicly, I'm going to ask forgiveness, folks, publicly. If I do it privately, I'm going to ask forgiveness privately. Okay? I, you know why? I'm not God. He is. I'm making decisions. I'm basing my life on conviction. Good stuff, Christian. Good stuff. Okay? Somebody else. Huh? I'm not. There's only one per class. That's no, one more. Um, this is new to me, okay, because I barely got baptized in March. Yeah. So uh, this is this was a struggle, but not anymore. I would dress a certain way, but now it's kind of, it's hard sometimes, but I dress up and I say, okay, am I representing God? Would God accept this? And because sometimes when you're a woman, you dress inappropriately. And sometimes. <laughs> and so I say, okay, would God think this is okay? And then I think, oh, my husband. And then there we go. That's how I do it. Yeah, listen to that stuff, folks. Listen, in the world we live, my goodness, I love I, Jeff and Lucinda. Holidays are coming, folks, and I don't mean to put an advertisement for them, but they have the their nut house. It could literally be a nut house. I mean, Jeff and Lucinda go there and other people, and I go, it's, what's it called? London House of Nuts? Old world style almonds. How do you get London House of Nuts out of that? Anyway, it's at the mall, and I every year I buy to give to neighbors and different things. It, it is just, it, it's just wonderful. But you go there, you go there, and you got to make sure where you stand, because it's right outside of Victoria's Secret, and Victoria has no secrets; they're all in the windows. And you know, folks, you sit there, and as a guy. Folks, you know, that's one of the few places my wife, I say, sweetheart, I'm not going with you. Well, honey, you don't have to look. Oh, yeah? Okay, you say, well, pastor, come on, you're more holy than that. That's right. I don't go. I make a decision. No, yeah. And the reality, so I go there, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm focused on losing, I'm, Hey, can I buy some this? Could you do that? Or I'll go to the other side and I'll face this. But the other side has some dumb store there too. And I don't remember what it was, but it was. But folks, you gotta make the decisions. Just like just like Christian said, ladies, I don't care what the style is. You're a Christian. You're not parading around for the meat market. And I don't mean to be rude and crude, but I'm just telling you. And guys, the same thing. We've got to realize that the enemy is bombarding our eyes and is the gateway to our soul. The mind is part of the soul. You've got to understand that, okay? Uh, Did we learn something tonight? We'll pick up next week on the strategy to conquer Satan. And the way to conquer Satan is we have to control our minds.